Well, if you have your Bibles, be finding John chapter 6 that we read a little earlier. As Bud mentioned, we are going to be baptizing in just a few minutes, but I first wanted to bring you a, a brief message uh, as an explanation of how and why we come to Christ. There's a, there's a miracle about it. There's a mystery about it. As Jesus spoke here in uh, John chapter 6, here's the background. He has just fed 5,000 men with a few loaves and fishes. Uh, then he crosses the Galilean Sea and many of those try to follow him and find him. And his response to many of those who rejected him because they, he, he was able to look through into their hearts and, uh, and he said, you, you're seeking me because of the bread. Uh, free groceries. So you, you want to follow me. But he said, I'm the true bread. What you really need is the manna that comes down from heaven, the bread that has come from God the Father. In verse 35, for example, that we read, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not hunger. Whoever believes in me will not thirst. But you have seen me and do not be, really believe. Then he, there's this strange statement next, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. What does that mean? Jesus does not become discouraged because the great mass of people rejected him when they found out he's not going to supply them with any more bread. He says, you... You have seen me, but you do not believe. However, verse 37, all the Father gives me will come to me. He does not despair or become discouraged. He reverts to the sovereignty of God. People believe in Jesus because they are given to him by the Father. That's what he says. Verse 37, all the Father gives me will come to me. So I'm not discouraged. I'm receiving those whom the Father gives me. Now, this isn't the only time he talks about those whom the Father has given him. John 17, verse 2, he's praying to the Father. He says, you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. So this is this idea of the Father giving a mass of people, global and international group, we would call it that the Paul calls it the elect. These are given to the Son. And they will come to the Son. So 
He's explaining why some men and women come to him and some do not. Why are you grumbling, he says. Look at verse 41. The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he say, I've come down from heaven? And Jesus said, verse 43, do not grumble. There's no point in that. Then here we go again, verse 44. For no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. Now that word draw is very powerful. Let me give you my first point here. As I look at this uh, passage, here's point number one. If you are given to the Son by the Father, then you come because of the Father. You believe in Christ because of the Father. Look at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And some of you may recognize this term, draw, the, the New Testament originally written in Greek, and I don't want to be too uh, uh, technical here, but this is, a, this is an awesome word. In Greek, it's elkuo, E-L-K-U-O. It is used in John 18.10 when Peter reached down and drew his sword. Remember how they were in the Garden of Gethsemane and they were coming to arrest Jesus and he drew his sword and whacked at one of them? He drew elkuo, his sword. Powerful unilateral. The sword didn't participate. It's also used in John 21, 6. In a post-resurrection appearance, Jesus comes to his disciples in John 21, 6. They are fishermen. They're out fisher, fishing. And he comes to them and he says, uh, gentlemen, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And it says they did. They cast it. And they were not able to draw, haul, pull because of the number of fish. So there the word LQO means to drag fish onto the shore. Now put that in, plug that into verse 44. No one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me Draws, LQO, like Peter draws his sword, like fish are drug up on the shoreline. It's powerful. It's mysterious. Um, it's praiseworthy. Um, some of us should be jumping up and down. I thought we was getting close there for a little bit. But I kind of take my cue from Andy, and he was a he was sedate, so I didn't I didn't get too far in, th in my enthusiasm. But the fact that we would come to Christ, God had to grip us like Peter gripped his sword, pull us. He had to drag us like the like the disciples drug the fish. 
fish, I don't know if you know this, fish aren't going to just voluntarily come on, on the, the shore. I have been fishing once, all night long. Not one fish came to shore. I, even if I had said, hey, y'all, I'm here ready for you, they wouldn't have come. What does it take? In the Christian life, evangelism without the power of God and the miracle of God and the supernatural working of God's hand, it is like going to the lake and asking fish to come on the shore and live there and breathe air. That's, that's the impossibility of it. That's not going to happen. So point one is, if you have been given to the Son by the Father, you will come to Him because God drew you. Now, this is not the drawing of, this is not the work of the Holy Spirit. That, that comes when you're born again. Uh, conviction comes by the Holy Spirit. This is the work of God the Father previous to your faith in Christ. Here's point number two. Those who come to him, he will not lose them or anything about them. Again, verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And notice, and I'll raise him up on the last day. He goes straight to the last day. He just skips every trial, every failure, every tear, everything in between and says, those who come, I'll raise them up on the last day. End of story. They're secured. Those who come to me, I will raise them up on the last day. And it's not just the person, but back up there to verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all he has given me but raise it up on the last day. He's not only going to raise up the person, but everything about the person. Every dimple, every cell in your body, every hair on your head, it's all coming up. Jesus is not going to lose anything about those people who have come to him and put faith in him. When he says he saves us, brother, he saves us. Everything. Sometimes people will ask me, will we know one another in heaven? Oh, absolutely. Because we will have the original body that we've always longed for. You know, the one you wish you had? maybe used to have, some young people have now, I hate you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Not a hair of your head will perish. It's just a beautiful verse. I will lose nothing of all he has given me. All right, here's the third point because we've got to finish. Being drawn by him, 
means you have been prepared and taught by the Father. Once again, verse 44 and 45. No one who comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, El Cuo, and I will raise him up on the last day. Now verse 45. As it's written in the prophets, they will all, who's the all? Those are the ones drawn to the Son by the Father. As it's written in the prophets, they will all, all of those will be taught by God. And everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Being taught by God, the Father. What does that mean? Remember, this is before your conversion. Every one of us who come to Christ have been dealt with by the Father or we would never come. John Piper described the connection this way. He said the connection between the drawing of and the teaching of the Father is clear. The drawn are the taught. They are drawn by being taught. No one is truly taught by God and then doesn't come. But rather, being taught and coming to Christ is a duet that's unbreakable. The teaching produces the coming. And he embraces those who come. And they are secured till the last day. Coming to Christ is a miracle that God planned in eternity and that God the Father has spent years bringing to pass. Paul was converted when he was around 28, 30 years of age. Most chronologists put it. But what he says in Galatians 1 is he says, I was predestined from the womb. God worked in my life from the time I was born. And yet he wasn't converted till he was 30. But don't you know God had the word there predestined means put a circle around him. He had marked him off. He had chosen him. He was selected, taught, The subject of the teaching is Christ. He begins to unfold the attractiveness of Christ. Jesus, see, we're drawn to him. If the Father has been teaching and disciplining and confining and moving and pulling and drawing and dragging toward the risen Christ, then the evidence is that Christ becomes magnetic. Ah, I didn't know that about Christ. So you, you begin to think good thoughts of Christ. In, in 2 Peter 1.3, Peter describes it. He says, we come to Christ by through his glory and his excellence. Oh, that's excellent about Christ. I didn't, I didn't see that compared to other leaders or other gods or idols. 
But Christ, ah, his excellence, his majesty, his kindness. How does God teach us? Maybe it's uh, through going to church. Maybe it's through the loving admonitions of a parent or a grandparent. How do we get elevated views of Christ? Maybe it's through a premonition. Maybe you go through a period of depression or sickness or the death of a loved one. Maybe it's an accident that triggers your thinking and starts your journey. A dream, an evangelist, a pastor, or several of the above things I haven't mentioned. I heard about one fella. He, I don't know if it was a Kmart or a Walmart, but he had to go to the bathroom. And he was in the stall, and he started to unravel the toilet paper, and out fell a gospel tract. And he just picked it up and started reading it. And from that moment began a journey toward Christ. Who would have known? And I think the Lord just smiled. See, devil, I can even use the bathroom to draw men to Christ. <laughs> what an amazing thing. The wisdom of God in this. And when God gets done teaching us and drawing us and pulling us and prodding us, we see Christ as one we must have. We must have him. Steve McQueen, he was a famous movie star in my day. Y'all, anybody remember Steve McQueen? Okay, okay, I see a few hands out there. Marilyn Monroe, those were the big names. He was king of cool back in the 70s. Maybe you remember him from the movie Bullet or a Ford Mustang or uh, there was a series, Wanted Dead or Alive. I remember it because it was in black and white. He had a friend who invited him to attend church and he liked it. Decided to go back intermittently then one service, he began to pray. He prayed to God. And he asked Christ into his life. He became a Christian. As soon as he asked Christ into his life, he began to seek out Billy Graham. Actually, he flew down to North Carolina to his home, and, and Billy Graham gave him a Bible. And, uh, and counsel. And there's a movie coming out, I think it's next month, by a pastor named Greg Laurie uh, who knew Steve McQueen. And uh, uh, Steve McQueen died in 1980. But he talked to him and got information. And one of the things that's in this movie and that he shares 
he says that on August 8, 1969, one of Steve McQueen's friends was named Sharon Tate. And she was having a party and invited Steve McQueen. That night, you may remember this. This is when Charlie Manson and his groupies went in and killed everybody in the house, Sharon Tate included, who was pregnant at the time. She was, Manson had a hit list of movie stars. Sharon Tate was on that list. And so was Steve McQueen. So here is destruction and death and Steve McQueen and they are about to cross. But but he's invited Christ. He started thinking of Christ. God stepped in and just before that party, an old girlfriend called him. Boy, aren't we grateful for old girlfriends? Just in the nick of time. Steve, let's meet up for a meal. He decided to do it. And God, see, you, you stand back and you look, boy, that was lucky. No, there's no such thing as luck. There's no luck in this. This is the sovereign drawing, pulling the fish out of the waters of destruction into the boat of God's fellowship and salvation in Christ. That's what's going on here. This is what Jesus is doing. He's explaining how we got to where we are in Christ. And every tear has brought you here. Every tear has brought you to Him. God will not waste a single pain and sorrow in your life. And if it brought you to Christ, it's not wasted. It's the best thing that ever happened to you. So God just reached down. And as Satan was reaching forth his claw-like grip, God smacked his hand and said, I have given this one to my son. I'm drawing him, teaching him. He's mine. That's what God's done. That's why people get baptized. It's awful inconvenient, you know. It's kind of awkward. You get wet. You have to change clothes. Who goes to church for that? I have to stay later. Right.